fresh, dynamic, and totally prepared. Here's Patricia Raskin with Positive Living on a leader in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now, with Positive Living, here's Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. I'm always happy to be part of Voice America because Voice America's goal is to provide live programming on the Internet worldwide that helps you, the listener, make informed decisions in your personal and professional life. Voice America believes that information is power, the Internet is the future, and the future is now, and so do I, and that's why I'm here. My program, Positive Living, brings you practical solutions and positive principles to help you live, help you live happy, empowered, and successful lives. You can call us at 888 888- 335-5204. We're here on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and we broadcast on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern and noon Pacific. I'm very honored today to have a guest on the program I've had on before. Um, he's world-renowned. His name is Rabbi Dr. Abraham J. Torsky, a world-renowned spiritual guide and founder of Gateway Rehabilitation Center one of America's premier treatment drug facilities and alcohol for a drug and alcohol addiction. And he has a brand new book. He has written over 40 books. And he has a brand new book called From Pulpit to Couch. This is a powerful amalgam of Hasidic rabbi and physician psychiatrist. And he tells us what he's learned over the years from plumbers, salmon, Charles Schultz, junkies, alcoholics, and psychotics, and all kinds of people everywhere. And this is a special book, different from everything he's written. Welcome, Rabbi Dr. Tversky. Thank you. Glad to be there. <laughs> yes, I really appreciate it. He has so many wonderful stories in your book. Why did you decide to write this after all the books you've written? Why did you decide to write From Pulpit to Couch? Well, first of all, um, you know, I do work almost totally in addiction, and there's addiction to alcohol, addiction to drugs, addiction to compulsive gambling, addiction to food. There's no such a thing as addiction to writing. <laughs> I have this addiction to writing, so I, I write. Um, I guess, but that doesn't get you into trouble. So far, so far I've avoided it. <laughs> okay. But um, uh, it seemed to me that uh, there is so much value in knowledge from different sources that go untapped. Mm-hmm. That uh, I felt it was probably a good idea to um, share some of the knowledge that I've gotten from uh, different uh, uh, different places. I remember when we were in psychiatric training, once a week we had a literature seminar where we learned psychiatric information from the great authors of the world, you know, Dostoevsky and Tolstoy and uh, mm-hmm. Herman Melville. Um, and I think that... It, there's a great deal of psychological and psychiatric information in sources other than psychiatric books. Mm-hmm. So um, I did this uh, book, and then I also wanted to in- indicate a little bit about the two things. First of all, the transition that I made from um, being a cleric, from being a rabbi, uh, to being a psychiatrist, and mm-hmm. how some of it filtered through. So that there's a great deal of information, I think, about different aspects of spirituality, which is sort of a bridge between the pulpit and the couch. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you said that that many times you can get information from from just life, not necessarily from your work and and from the Bible, but also from life, which is what you've done in this book. Is you've talked about anecdotes, things in your own life. One of my favorite stories that I just love, and I'd love you to tell it, because it really helped me when I read it. It's very short. It's called A Wise Guideline, um, and it's about looking up instead of looking down. Would you tell that story? Well, I think that was an experience, and you learn from experiences. Um, I was in a um, – hold on just one moment. 412-338-1800. Thank you. I have to shut up my machines. Um I was in Vancouver, and um, one of the sights to see in Vancouver is a rope bridge, yes, which spans over a very deep chasm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, no, I have a little bit of a phobia of heights anyway, but um, I was going to brave it and uh, go across the bridge. But as I started going across the bridge, holding on to the railing for dear life, and I looked down and, oh, my God, you know, there was a drop of uh, several, good several hundred feet. And I really became nervous, and somebody said, don't look down, look up toward the sky, then you'll be all right. Mm. And I took that as a message that, uh, mm. you know, if you look upward toward God, uh, look up toward the sky, look up toward heaven, uh, yeah, you'll, feel, you'll feel the strength and you won't feel nervous. Mm. And do you think that's with anything in your life, if you're going through a crisis or a problem, right. just look up right. to God and say, right. God, guide me? Right, right. Look, I do think, you know, as I've mentioned this in what I learned from Alcoholics Anonymous also, that uh, it doesn't mean that because we ask God for help that we can sit in the passenger seat and say, hey, God, you do the driving. Right. Uh, and that we certainly must do whatever is reasonable within our own power. But when we realize that we've exhausted our own power, mm-hmm. uh, and at that point, you know, AA says, let go and let God. Right? Mm-hmm. If you can't do anything else, turn it over to God. And uh, I won't say that um, he always comes through the way we like, right? Mm-hmm. but he always comes through the way he thinks is proper. Mm-hmm. Mm. Very, very wise words. Now, you worked a lot with Charles Schultz in terms of um, really interpreting the cartoons, the Charlie Brown cartoons. Right. Talk a little bit about that. You have this in one of your stories. You call it Dr. Charles Schultz. Right. Charles Schultz was a very interesting person. He comes across as a very simple person, never had much of a formal education, certainly nothing in psychology, and yet, his uh, some of his cartoons are just so full of psychological insights. Mm-hmm. And uh, I became aware of this quite early. And when I uh, uh, had a residency program going, I used to take cartoons and uh, from Schultz and put them up on the bulletin board and call it postgraduate education. <laughs> uh, and then, after accumulating a number of these, I called the uh, publisher and I said, "Look, would you be interested in putting these into a book?" And uh, so we did one book, two books, three books, four books, and then a fifth book, which was published in Japan, of all places. And uh, uh, through this, I got to meet Mr. Schultz. Uh, we used to call him Sparky, was his nickname. Mm-hmm. And Sparky was a very sweet person and uh, uh, very unassuming. And uh, sometimes I would show him, I said, Sparky, can't you see what you're saying this cartoon? And after listening to me, he said, would say to me, Abe, if I allowed myself to see everything in the cartoons that you see, it would paralyze me and I wouldn't be able to draw. Wow. So I said, you know what, Sparky, you do the drawing and I'll do the interpreting. <laughs> oh, that's fabulous. We're going to talk more about this. We're going to take a quick break. Oh, it's great. Oh, my guest is not only the renowned, but very inspiring and very healing and uplifting Rabbi Dr. Abraham J. Torsky, world-renowned spiritual guide and founder of Gateway Rehabilitation Center, one of America's premier treatment facilities for drug and alcohol addiction. And he's writing a marvelous book just about his experiences and what he's learned from everybody. His book is from Pulpit to Couch. It's uh, over, what is it, your 44th book? Something like that. (laughs) Something like that. All right, you're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. Information you need, when you need it, VoiceAmerica.com. Tune in every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time to Voice America for True Life in God with Betsy Serafin. On the show, Betsy will talk about the importance of having God in your life as well as discuss how God is calling Christians to come together in the heart. So make it a point to tune in to True Life in God every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. In today's world, it's hard to find the truth with anything. Is there such a thing as the truth? Where and how can I find it? Will someone just give it to me straight? Tune in every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific for Mario Vidal, an exciting new show that will give it to you straight every time and tackle the truth behind everything from political issues and crime to vocational and career counseling. So log on and tune in every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. 
This is Dr. Pat Basile, and I am America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The defendant, having been found guilty, is sentenced to a term of five years imprisonment. Defendant will be remanded to custody immediately. On June 4th, my big brother was sentenced to five years in prison for a gun crime. That day, he sentenced me to five years of walking home alone from school. When you commit a gun crime, your family pays the price. Gun crimes hit home. A public service announcement brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council. Tune in every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time to Voice America for Global Security with Victor Plesner. Global Security is the show that covers international security issues for all walks of life since 9-11 and what the future may present to keep our world safe. You will hear from leaders of global security companies as well as authors of books on law enforcement and terrorism. So join us Fridays at 8 a.m. for Global Security with Victor Plesner right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Continuing to be the authority in Internet Talk Radio, you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. I always say that I love being on Voice America because Voice America believes that information is power, the Internet is the future, and the future is now. And that's what I believe. Uh, my program, Positive Living, brings you practical solutions and positive principles to help you live happy, empowered, and successful lives. You can call us at 888-335-5204. My guest is Rabbi Dr. Abraham J. Tworsky, world-renowned spiritual guide and founder of Gateway Rehabilitation Center, one of America's premier treatment facilities for drug and alcohol addiction. In his new book, From Pulpit to Couch, which is his 40-something book, he offers advice and perspectives like never before, he he really speaks, um, tells us what he's learned over the years, from plumbers to alcoholics to Sherlock Holmes to Charles Schultz to his mother and father to from prisoners to everything. And um, it's very revealing and it's also very inspirational. Welcome back, Dr. Schwarzky. Thank you. All right, let's pick one of your favorite stories. I'm picking all mine. What's your one of your, I know that's a big order, but what's one of your... Yeah, that's the a one big, that big order. My favorite story is the one that begins on page one and ends on page 100 and... <laughs> <laughs> you got to do better than that. <laughs> All right, let's see. On page 150. Oh, here's one. I, I picked one. Can there be a joy in hurting? That's a good one for me. Can there be joy in hurting? Okay. I mean, that's an important one. See, I use these all the time because they're so helpful. Um, you know, generally we think, oh, my heaven, pain is terrible, and it is. But uh, the example that I have is, that, I don't know if I wrote the whole story. What happened was that, uh, I was walking down the corridor of the rehab center, and a young man comes over to me, and he said, uh, Doc, can I talk to you? I said, sure. Um, so we walk into a room, and he throws his arms around me, and he starts crying. He says, Doc, I can't handle it. I can't handle it. You've got to help me. I said, son, when did you come in here? He said, yesterday. How old are you? 24. When did you start using drugs and alcohol? Age 12. Mm-hmm. What's the longest period you were ever clean? I never was. So mm-hmm. I said to him, look, let me tell you a story. There was a young woman who was in a terrible automobile accident and had multiple fractures. And because of the fracture of the shoulder, it tore the nerves going from her spinal column to the uh, right arm so that her right arm was dead. No motion, no sensation, no nothing. The doctors did a nerve repair, but they told her that this is not like splicing an electric wire. It can only be successful if the proximal nerves grow into the proper channels, Mm -hmm. and they won't know that for three or four months. Mm -hmm. So they put her arm in a sling, and she had to wait for three or four months to see if she would ever get the function of her right arm back. One day, she was sitting playing cards, holding the cards in her left hand, of course, but also holding a cigarette. And as she tried to manipulate the cards, the cigarette fell from her left hand, and fell onto her right hand, and she felt the burn. Mm. She threw the cards up into the air and went around the room, jumping for joy and exclaiming, It's hurting! It's hurting! Mm -hmm. And, you know, Mm -hmm. why would anybody be happy for pain? Mm -hmm. But to her, this pain meant so much because it meant that she was regaining the sensation and the function of her right arm. Mm -hmm. And the pain was totally insignificant compared to what it really meant, that she was going to have the use of her right arm again. And so I told this young man the story, and I said, look, son, if 
from age 12 to 24, you've been numbing your system. You haven't felt anything because of the use of drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Now it's wearing off, and you're feeling pain. Isn't that wonderful? You're beginning to feel like a human being again. Mm-hmm. I want you to go into the lobby and tell everybody, hooray, I'm depressed. Mm-hmm. Because pain can be a joy if you understand it properly. Okay, so let's translate that to something else. I'm going to get a little deeper now. Let's say you've been through a very tough divorce. Let's say that you've lost, God forbid, a child. Let's say you've lost a parent. You know, let's say you've lost your home in a fire. I mean, these are really tough things. Right. What do you say there about the pain? Well, uh, first of all, there are some, uh, I always say that uh, if God would have asked me to design the world, I would have left pain out of it. Mm-hmm. But um, he designed the world and I didn't. And for some reason, known only to him, he understands pain, uh, and he understands why the function has to be, uh, and although although I have no knowledge why. I can only say that in some cases, in some cases, I can understand pain, but not in all. And that brings me to the story of the lobsters. Remember that one? Okay, go ahead. Okay? Uh, I came across an article in the magazine, How Do Lobsters Grow?, and I, you know, was curious. How can a lobster grow when it's encased in such a hard, unyielding shell? Mm-hmm. And the answer is that as the lobster grows, the shell becomes very confining and oppressive, and the lobster feels uncomfortable. So it goes underneath a rock where it's protected from predatory fish. Mm-hmm. It sheds its shell and grows a new right. one, a more spacious one. Right. And when it grows into that one, and that one becomes uncomfortable, it repeats the process numerous times. The way that a lobster knows to grow another shell and to have more space to grow is because of pain. Discomfort Mm. is a sign Mm. that it has to grow. Mm. And I always say that if lobsters had access to a doctor, they would die being one inch large because as soon as they felt discomfort, they would go to a doctor and get a Valium or a Percocet. (laughs) So I say, look, sometimes we have to realize that nature has a signal that sometimes pain doesn't mean look for mm-hmm. relief. Mm-hmm. Sometimes pain means where do I have to grow? Now, granted, person loses a home in a fire, God forbid, loses a relative. Those mm-hmm. are the pains that are part of life, and we, we just have to adjust to them, and they, mm-hmm. they, they don't make any sense. But there are times when we have to learn from pain. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes something happens to you that's really better for you, but you don't see it. And... That can be another thing. You go through pain, but you don't realize that maybe there's a gift on the other side. Yeah, I once, uh, you know, I, I learned so much from alcoholics. I don't remember if they even put this story in. That one woman said that uh, she was about eight years into a recovery of sobriety, and she said, um, "You see, I, I see the pattern now." She says, "When something bad happens, it's a prelude to something good coming." So now she says, when something bad happens, I get so excited about what the good thing is going to come that the pain doesn't even bother me that much. So comment comment on the title of this book by Rabbi Harold Kushner, When when Bad Things Happen to Good People. Uh, Well, of course, I've read the book, and Rabbi Kushner uh, is speaking from a personal experience. Uh, He had a a terrible grief and pain uh, watching his his child go through a terrible disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, we, we are all asking uh, why do bad things happen to good people, uh, and Moses asked the question. Um, but Rabbi Kushner's uh, answer is one which uh, doesn't particularly satisfy me because his answer is that sort of God lost control of the world. Well, if you believe that, that's fine. But if you really believe that God controls the world at every time, then it doesn't make any sense as to why he allows bad things to happen. I was once sitting with Charles Schultz in mm. San Diego, and Schultz asked me, uh, Abe, can I ask you a theological question? I said, go ahead. He mm-hmm. says, well, why do bad things happen to good people? Mm-hmm. I said, Sparky, you gave the only reasonable answer to that already. He says, what do you mean? So I showed him one of his cartoons where Linus is sitting at the beach and has built a beautiful castle with turrets and bridges and everything. Mm-hmm. Then a torrent of rain comes down and washes the whole thing into the sea. Mm-hmm. And Linus sits there and says, there's a message in this someplace, but I don't know what it is. Mm. I said, Sparky, that's the only thing we can say. There are messages, but I guess we're not smart enough to see what they are. 
Okay, and so then how do you keep from becoming bitter and angry and all of that and then turning sometimes on God because you expect God to have that answer? Well, uh, I think I wrote this story uh, about the story the, uh, that I learned in the pediatrician's office. You know, you learn from everything. I was in a pediatrician's office. The mother there was sitting with her little baby who she brought in for her third, for the third immunization shot. And the child was uh, roly-poly, playful, laughing. Uh, then the doctor, clad in his white robe, walked out into the lobby and his, the waiting room. And as soon as the child saw that doctor in white, the child let out a screech that could have been heard down to South America. Because mm-hmm. the child knows what this means. Right? Mm-hmm. He's been here twice before, <laughs> and he knows that that man in white is up to no good. Mm-hmm. He goes around stabbing people and making them hurt. <laughs> so, so the child grabbed on and held tightly to his mother. Well, the mother got up, took the child, and followed the doctor into the treatment room. And the child was kicking and clawing and biting. Uh, and I'm sure the child couldn't understand what in the world has gotten into my mother that right. she turned against me and is going to collaborate with this horrible person. Uh-huh. Well, the doctor administered the shot, and as soon as he left, the child threw his arms around the mother, holding on for dear life. And I was thinking, child, why are you holding on to your mother? You can't trust her. Look what she did. You know? Why are you looking to her for security? Mm-hmm. And the answer is, maybe the child can't understand why his mother acted she did, but one thing he knows for certain, she is his source of security and strength. Mm-hmm. And I said, look, sometimes like the mm-hmm. child, you know, the difference between my mind and the mind of God is greater than that between the child and the mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, God has infinite wisdom. So I can't understand why he allows these things to happen. Mm. But all I know is, after it's all said and done, he is still my security. Mm. Powerful. Powerful. You know, as you're talking, one of the things I'm thinking of, if you ever decide not to do what you're doing, you should really be a stand-up comedian. Has anyone told you that? To be a, be a what? A stand-up comedian. Oh, yeah, I do that in my... <laughs> oh, that's another thing you do. I can do that in my spare time. Because really, I mean, it, it's wonderful because what you say has humor, but there's such truth to it. Right. Really. All right, we have time for just a very short one. Let's pick out something really short. Um, I'm looking at your stories. There's so many good ones. Um, here's one. Um, again, we have a short period of time. When you cannot make amends. Okay. Uh, you know, we always are told that, uh, especially in the 12-step program, that if you've offended somebody, you should try to make amends. Right. But there are times when you really can't. And the story that happened was this, that, uh, you know, I say my unlisted phone number was the world's worst secret, and I was getting calls from all over the country as to, uh, you know, what do you do in this case. And mm-hmm. it doesn't really bother me to give out free psychiatric advice, even when they call me at home. Mm-hmm. But uh, I do get a little upset when they call me collect, you know, reverse the charges. <laughs> <laughs> However, uh, even then, even that doesn't happen too often. And yeah. when it does happen, I think, look, how do I know that this poor person may not be heading, uh, heading for the bridge right. and suicide? Right. And then at the last moment he calls and maybe Tversky can help him. So I, I never refuse the charges. However, it was once one night, particularly a difficult situation, I came home very late from work, ate supper at about 9.30, quarter to 10. And my wife had laryngitis. She couldn't answer the phone. So I picked up the phone, and the operator says, have a call to Dr. Tversky. And I said, from whom? And she gave me a name which I didn't recognize. And the woman came, and I can't go into the details. She wanted to talk about a problem, which was certainly not an emergency. So I listened, and I answered her question. And then after answering her question, I got very angry. I said, this was not an emergency to call me at home at 10 o'clock at night, and you've got some gall to make the charges reversed, and I slammed the cigar down. Mm-hmm. Then I said to my wife, uh, you know how terrible it is that people have this kind of nerve mm-hmm. calling collect, and then I said, oh, my heavens, I don't remember the operator asking me to accept the charge. Oh. This wasn't a reverse charge call. She was saying this is a call for Dr. Tversky. It was a person-to-person. And even if she shouldn't have called late at night, but I criticized her for doing something she didn't do. She did not reverse the charges. Mm-hmm. And I really should make amends to her for having... Uh, but you couldn't because you didn't know how to get her. But how, how, how in the world am I going to find out who she is? You know, mm-hmm. I can't put a net in the New York Times saying, mm-hmm. you know, if you're the person who called Tversky at 10 o'clock at night, he's sorry. 
So yeah. the next day I happened to meet with a few people in AA, and I told them how, about how upset I was I couldn't make amends. And they said, uh, look, Dr. Tversky, you regret what you've done? I said, yes. Uh, you're going to be more careful before you yell next time? I said, yes. Well, that's about all you can do. Now, they said, once you have done all you can, then you have to leave it, turn it over to God, mm -hmm. and leave it to God to put it in the heart of that person mm -hmm. to forgive you. Right? Mm. And, Beautiful. Uh, that's, I think that's very powerful. Power. There are times when you simply can't make amends, right. but if you've done everything within your power, then you can know that you've been forgiven. All right. My guest is Dr. Rabbi Abraham Tversky, and his new book is From Pulpit to Couch. He's a world-renowned spiritual guide and founder of Gateway Rehabilitation Center. Um, folks, stay tuned. This is a very powerful inspirational program. You're listening to Positive Living. We'll be right back. Well, I went over... For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. Cutting edge, challenging, stimulating. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture, who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time to Jeffrey Gitterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Hi, I'm Jennifer Lewis, and you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. The defendant, having been found guilty, is sentenced to a term of five years imprisonment. Defendant will be remanded to custody immediately. On June 4th, my big brother was sentenced to five years in prison for a gun crime. That day, he sentenced me to five years of walking home alone from school. When you commit a gun crime, your family pays the price. Gun crimes hit home. A public service announcement brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council. Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com. When tax time comes, are you the person that goes to your accountant with a shoebox literally full of receipts? Stop wasting your accountant's time as well as your own by organizing your finances with the help of Joe Dunphy and Poor Richard's Shoebox. Heard live every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Poor Richard's Shoebox will let you know what you can do to organize for tax time as well as how to get the most out of your retirement. So get all of your receipts together and tune in to Poor Richard's Shoebox with Joe Dunphy every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on the Voice America Radio Network. Tune in every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time to Voice America for Global Security with Victor Plesner. Global Security is the show that covers international security issues for all walks of life since 9-11 and what the future may present to keep our world safe. You will hear from leaders of global security companies as well as authors of books on law enforcement and terrorism. So join us Fridays at 8 a.m. for Global Security with Victor Plesner right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Continuing to be the authority in Internet Talk Radio, you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. And I'm always happy to be part of Voice America. You can call us at 888-335-5204. My guest is Rabbi Abraham J. Tversky. MD. His newest book is From Pulpit to Couch. Rabbi Abraham Tversky is a world-renowned spiritual guide and founder of Gateway Rehabilitation Center, one of America's premier treatment facilities for drug and alcohol addiction. And he offers advice and perspectives throughout this marvelous new book, which is From Pulpit to Couch. It's, it's, in, it's among his 40 books that he's written. And it's really what he's learned over the years from plumbers, Charlie Schultz, junkies, alcoholics, everyone in his life, and and it differs from his other books. You can, uh, welcome back, Dr. Tversky. Thank Where you. can people get your book? I'm sorry? Where can people buy your book? Oh, uh, it, it, this was a recently issued book. It may take a while to filter it into the book sales, uh, but 
It's available from the publisher uh, at 1-800-851-8303. Again, 1-800-851-8303. Okay. All right. Um, let's go back to some of the wonderful stories in your book. One is on gratitude. Talk about oh, that. Oh, boy, that was one where I really felt like if I could have dug a hole in the ground, I would have jumped in. Uh, I had just bought a brand-new car, and it was loaded with everything. Um, and uh, the first few days I was driving it, I noticed that the cruise control was not accurate. I set it on 60s. It would go between 55 and 65. And I was very upset about that. And, well, I could take it back to the dealer, but that meant I had at least a half wasting a half a day and whatever. And I was really, uh, you know, quite frustrated. Well, that day, a woman who had gone through our rehabilitation center, and she was now sober for eight months, uh, she came in to see me, and she was saying about how happy she was that uh, she had now found a job and uh, an apartment for herself and her child, and uh, she hopes that soon she'll be able to earn enough money to be able to get her car fixed. I said, well, what's wrong with your car? She says, it doesn't have a reverse. I said, it doesn't have a reverse, so how do you drive? <laughs> oh, she says, you have to be careful where you park so you'll be able to get out. Oh, but she says, you know, I've got to be thankful because there's some people who don't have a car at all. <laughs> yeah. And I realized here was a woman who is thankful that she has a car even though it has no reverse gear. Mm-hmm. And I am griping because my fully loaded car, brand new car, right, doesn't have an accurate cruise control. I mean, you know, how unthankful can you be? So uh, I learned, you know, there, there are so many things which we have to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. Here's a story. Why cry oh, listen, when you can i, I got to tell you a short one, which is one of my best. I use it all the time. Okay. I got this at an alcoholics meeting where a gentleman was saying about how um, he used to have arguments with his wife. And uh, he said, you know, when we had a fight, I didn't want to lose a fight. Then I realized that if I won the fight, that meant that she lost. But I didn't want to be married to a loser. He said, so he stopped fighting. Mm-hmm. And that's such a wonderful attitude to take right? that in marriage, if you win a fight, you've lost. So the best thing to do is learn how not to fight. But what if you have a disagreement? Oh, you can disagree. Sure you can disagree. But disagreements can be worked out. See, disagree- there's always solutions to disagreement unless we get our personal ego involved. Mm -hmm. I want my way to prevail. And I don't even see the rationale that the other person has because I'm too busy protecting my my own rights. Mm -hmm. But if we take things objectively and uh, give the other person a chance to make their case and uh, be willing to listen, so many things can be worked out. Mm. But again, it has to be the two people have to want to do that. It can't just be one person. Well, of course. Here's another story. What, why cry when you can laugh? Ah, that is actually, I wrote a whole book about that. The name of that book is, um, Things Are Not As, what's the name of the book? It's Not As Tough As You Think. Mm-hmm. That there are times when things happen that we see at the moment, we see, oh my goodness, these are terrible. That's just a terrible thing that happened. Mm-hmm. And of course there are some terrible things. But there are things that if five years later, We look back and we say, oh, come on, that was nothing. And we may even laugh about it. And I say, look, when something happens that annoys you, that's unpleasant, stop and think a moment. How am I going to look at this five years from now? And am I going to cry about it or am I going to laugh about it? And if you can see that five years later you're going to laugh about it, start laughing now. Don't cry. Mm. And there, there are many things that fall into that category. You know, you miss a plane, and oh, it's so terrible! I missed the appointment, and you're you're so upset. Yeah, five years later, you look back and you say, "So big deal, nothing happened, nothing really happened." So I say, "Come on, you know, you're going to laugh about it someday. Start laughing now. Don't need your heart out." Mm. Mm. Okay, here's one. Don't jump to conclusions. Ah, that was an interesting thing that happened. That was in my early days as a rabbi. Okay, I was on a panel with two other rabbis. One of them was a rabbi who had been in the town forever, for 30 years, and uh, had a lot of respect. But he was a very learned man, but the most monotonous speaker you ever heard in your life. right? And, uh, you know, when he'd start giving a sermon, people would fall asleep. He had wonderful content, but he no delivery. Mm-hmm. So we were on the panel together, and um, 
me being whatever I was, young and, and enthusiastic, whatever I said went over real big with the crowd. And what this other older rabbi said, you know, um, just there was a uh, uh, blah. And I saw that he was offended because I had upstaged him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, sometime after that, a gentleman died who had a membership in both his congregation as well as in mine. However, this other rabbi's congregation was much larger, so the family decided to hold the funeral there. However, both of us were going to officiate at the funeral because he belonged to both congregations. Mm. That rabbi began to speak first, which was proper. Mm-hmm. And no sooner did he start to speak than the public address system went dead. Oh. And you couldn't hear him further than the second row. Oh. They tried to fix it, and they eventually did, and they fixed it shortly before it was my turn to speak. Oh, oh okay. no. Now, <laughs> I had to think, what if that had been the reverse? Yeah. What if the PA system had gone dead when I was speaking? I would have been convinced that he was angry at me for upstaging him. And turned it off. And turned it off. I had the mm-hmm. janitor turn it off, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there would have been good reason for me to suspect that. The mm-hmm. only thing was, it wasn't so. So I realized, you know, sometimes things seem so obvious and you jump to conclusions that there must be. And, you know, give people the benefit of the doubt. It isn't always the way we see it. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. Here's another one, and, and I think this is important. It's about aging has its advantages. I mean, so many people are living longer now. I think the 85 population is the fastest-growing population. Oh, wait, Patricia, I'm missing, I'm missing something. My connection integrated. Which, one, which story is that? Aging has its advantages. Aging? Has. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Oh, that's because we're all living, we're living longer now. Yeah, that's especially important to me because I'm turning 75. So mm-hmm. uh, I have to look at the positive side of it. Um, what happened once, this was go back to 1951, when Milwaukee, which was the city I lived in then, acquired the Boston Braves, and it became the Milwaukee Braves, and uh, the city went crazy with a major league team, um, and uh, the right fielder was a player by the name of Andy Pasco. This was the end of his career because he had played for several teams before, and this was the last year of his career. He was a man of 44, which in baseball is ancient. Mm-hmm. And uh, the batter hit the ball toward right field, and it was going to be a certain home run. And Andy Pafko jumped up and caught the ball before it went over the fence. Mm-hmm. And the announcer went out of his mind screaming at the beauty of the, the, the tremendous catch. And he said, can you imagine a man his age being able to jump like that? The announcer's assistant said, no, that's not the way I see it. Maybe a younger person could jump better and higher, but the only one who knew exactly how to jump is someone with the experience of Andy mm-hmm. Pascoe. Mm-hmm. So, you know, youth may have some advantages, of course, being uh, stronger and more energetic, but there are some kinds of things that come from being around for a long time and learning by experience. That uh, uh, that can't be uh, duplicated. Can't be. You know, my my father used to say, and I hope he's listening. But he always used to say, "If I only knew what I knew now when I was younger." Right. Well, you know, sometimes I say to myself that when I come up to heaven, I'm going to ask the good Lord, "Why did you give me my maximum wisdom when I mm-hmm. don't need it any yep. longer?" Yeah. Right. You give me my maximum wisdom when I'm beyond the social security age. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. I don't. I make my we make important decisions when we're in our 20s, you know. What are we going to do with our life? What is our career? Who are we going to marry? Where are we going to settle? Mm-hmm. We make our important decisions when we have our least knowledge. Mm-hmm. However, for some reason or other, maximum knowledge and maximum energy do not go together. So when mm-hmm. we have maximum energy, that's when our knowledge is low. When our knowledge goes up, that's when our energy goes down. I don't know why that is, but that seems to be the law of nature. Don't you think, though, sometimes you can have maximum energy and make really great decisions and the right decisions? Well, you can make uh, uh, some some good decisions, uh, but, uh, I mean, probably the good decisions that you make when you have maximum energy is because you're smart enough to listen to some people's advice mm-hmm. and get some good consultation. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, mm-hmm. you know, youth is impetuous, and uh, sometimes, I, I mean, I can look back at things that I did when I was young, and I thought that I was absolutely doing the right thing. And, and it was kind of juvenile ideas, 
know? mm-hmm. uh, so yes, certainly young people can make a good decision, but if only if only we could go back to the age. No, I don't uh, go back to nostalgia and say things were always better. But certainly before the 60s, when it was more acceptable to listen to the advice of older and more experienced people, younger people stayed out of more trouble than they do now. Mm. All right, we're going to take a break. My guest is Dr. Abraham Tversky. His book is From Pulpit to Couch. And he is a world-renowned spiritual guide and founder of Gateway Rehabilitation Center, one of America's premier treatment facilities for drug and alcohol addiction. And he has this wonderful new book with fabulous stories. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. Informative, educational, insightful. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Hello, this is Rory Garay, president of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race star. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture, who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So once you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time to Jeffrey Gitterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Connecting your world. The Internet's number one talk and information station. VoiceAmerica.com How can you have a better life on your terms? You can have a better life because you can become better. Stop waiting for everything around you to change. Tune in every Wednesday at 1 o'clock Pacific Standard Time on Voice America for Life on Your Terms with David Martin. David Martin, an internationally recognized speaker, will teach you what successful people are doing. So join us Wednesday at 1 o'clock Pacific Standard Time for Life on Your Terms with David Martin. Right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The world leader in Internet talk radio. Internet talk radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. You can call us at 888-335-5204. Positive Living is on Voice America on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific, and we broadcast on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern and noon Pacific. And you can log on to my website, raskinresources.com, get a copy of my book, Pathfinding, which is in revision, and you can also listen to the archive programs on my site, as well as go to voiceamerica.com. My guest today is the renowned doctor and rabbi, Abraham J. Tversky. He's a world-renowned spiritual guide and founder of Gateway Rehabilitation Center, one of America's premier treatment facilities for drug and alcohol addiction. And he offers advice and perspective in this marvelous new book called From Pulpit to Couch. This is his 40-something book. And this is really an amalgam of stories of things that he's learned over the years from Junkies, Charlie Schultz, Sherlock Holmes, his mother and father, the Milwaukee Braves, prisoners, you name it, about what he's learned and what he has to offer his patients and also people who who read his books, his followers as well. 
And you can call, if you're interested in this new book, which is brand new, you can call Miracle Publications. And, Dr. Torsky, what is the number again? Yeah, that's 1-800-83, I'm sorry, 1-800-851, 1-800-851-8303. Okay. All right. Let's talk about, because I want to ask you about your work, um, certainly with addiction, but let's talk about another story in your book, because this goes into that, and that's okay. the therapist convictions. I think that I, when I wrote about the therapist convictions, and there's several good indications about that, is how a person has to know himself and be not only at peace with himself, but you can't convince someone else of something that you don't believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, my example for that uh, were two examples. One was a case that happened personally with my father. Um, there was a, a young man during World War II who uh, was reported missing in action, and uh, the parents, of course, were shattered and in grief. And my father would tell them, missing in action does not mean killed. Missing in action could mean he was taken prisoner. Mm-hmm. And every week my father would go and visit them and try to keep their spirits up that one day the child will come, the son will come back. Mm-hmm. Um, after the war, it turned out that it was true. He was a prisoner of war. And when he came back to his home base he found a stack of letters that my father had written every week. And I know when my father wrote those letters, he wrote that before he went to visit the family to reinforce his own belief that the young man is still alive. Mm -hmm. Because only if he believed that could he try to convince the family of it. And then there's a cute little story that uh, they tell that uh, there was a child who was a diabetic and simply could not be controlled not to eat sweets and would you know, find ways to getting candy. Now, the child had a hero worship from Mahatma Gandhi, and the parents thought they were desperate that if they take him to Gandhi and Gandhi will tell him not to eat sweets, he might listen. Mm. So they made the long trip to India, and when they came to Gandhi and they told him the problem, Gandhi said, come back in two weeks. They said, why, why, no, come back in two weeks. Well, they have no choice. And two weeks later, they came back, and Gandhi took the child, put his arm around him, and he said, Son, you must not eat sweets. <laughs> and the youngster was very impressed. But the parents said, Well, why couldn't you say that two weeks ago? Mm-hmm. And Gandhi said, Because two weeks ago, I was eating sweets. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Another word. Yeah. Go ahead. The sincerity would not have been there had mm-hmm. he told somebody, do something yeah, that I'm not doing myself. Okay, so now let, let's look at this in terms of addiction and your work with patients. Right. So then whatever you tell your patients are things that you obviously practice in your life. And, and along with that would be your advice to family members of, of you know, people who have addiction problems. Right. Look, um, addiction, active addiction is a terribly destructive thing. And as long as a person stays in active addiction, whether it's alcohol addiction, drug addiction, sex addiction, gambling addiction, as long as they're in active addiction, they're destructive. If they break away from the addiction with the support usually of a 12-step program, and then they follow the program and begin to build on it, which means that they've begun got to become honest, got to get rid of all of their uh, bad uh, character defects, they can turn out to be wonderful people. And uh, being that it's been over 40 years that I've been working with these, I've been fortunate to see many people who were they're absolute degenerates when they were in their active addiction. Mm-hmm. But once they made the turnaround and they made the effort, and it doesn't happen overnight, but they made the effort to change their character and become better people, mm-hmm. they really became wonderful people. Mm-hmm. So I tell people, um, uh, this happened uh, yesterday, where a uh, young man came back from treatment after four weeks, and he came back home, and he was absolutely impossible to live with. Mm-hmm. And uh, I told his wife, look, you don't have to take any kind of abuse from him, but you may say to him, uh, honey, I really would like to help you, but I cannot take all of this abuse. So while you work on your recovery, we're going to separate temporarily, and we'll meet for dinner once a week. Mm-hmm. Right. And I will work, try to work my program, you work with your program. 
And when we see that they have been make progress, I love you and we'll get together. But just because you have this condition does not mean that I have to take the abuse. And yet, in that message, there is hope that with, if he implements his recovery, that they can have a good marriage. Mm, fabulous. Dr. Tversky, we're going to have to close. It, it was just a wonderful interview. And well, thank I, I you. Really, it's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you. Just stay on the line, please. Wonderful. Okay. Um, let's see if we have 10 seconds. Is there one line you'd like to leave our, our listeners with today? Well, the one line that I would like to say is that I hope that we can look at every human being and try to see the good in them mm-hmm. rather than their faults. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Next week, my guest is Sharon Wedgshedder Cruz, nationally known consultant, educator, and author of 11 books. She will discuss her newest book, Learning to Balance Your Life, Six Powers That Restore Your Energy and Spirit. And she'll discuss how to harness your power to make two life changes in eight weeks. And again, you can log on to SharonWCruz.com. My guest today was Rabbi uh, Abraham J. Torsky, um, MD, and he's a world-renowned spiritual guide and founder of Gateway Rehabilitation Center. And his newest book is From Pulpit to Couch. Um, folks, remember that this program, Positive Living, is on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and we broadcast on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern and noon Pacific. And RaskinResources.com is my website where you can get a copy of my book and the archive shows. And I want to thank you again, Dr. Torsky, for being on my program. It was very inspirational. Thank you. Folks, until next week, and stay on the line for a minute. Until next week, I'm Patricia Raskin for Positive Living. Have a great day. Listening to Positive Living with Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. For an autographed copy of Patricia's book, Pathfindings, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. And tune in next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific for Positive Living, right here on VoiceAmerica.com.